Welcome to the Debbie Debate. That's Matt Bruning. That's Austin Nace. I'm Felix Sharp on a childless version of today's show with no guarantees. Will Jim Harbaugh ever beat Ohio State? Is John Robinson worthy of a running back one designation? And the Pac-12 season begins this weekend. But we start with the breaking news on Election Day that everyone is talking about. Matt, Ramon Davis enters the transfer portal. What are your thoughts? Uh, you know, I'm happy for him. I, I've liked Raymond Davis for a while now. I've, I've been lucky enough to have him on my other fantasy football podcast. We were able to talk about just the running back position in general uh, and what it was like for him playing his freshman year there at Temple. Uh, that offense has not looked good this year. I was I was just talking with someone about it earlier. Out of his 300-plus uh, rushing yards right now in the season in the four games, 266 of them have come after contact. Only 70 yards have come from like clean runs. So he, he's been hit a lot in the backfield. I think he's been really good. Uh, last year we talked about him wanting to improve his uh, – Avoided tackle rate. He's sitting at twenty five or twenty one right now, which is an average of five point two five a game, which is actually sixth in the NCAA right now. If you were to average that out, so he's been a really doing a really good job of avoiding tackles. It sucks we're not going to see him the rest of this year, but I think him going on to a different team that might help him kind of move his stock up a little bit more is going to be better for him. You know, we won't see him until twenty twenty one. You know, I've. I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited. I can't wait to see where he lands. I think it is in the end going to help him out a lot because he's a guy not a lot of people are still talking about, even after having an almost record-breaking freshman season and still doing good this year in his sophomore season. We talked about this. We talked about opt-outs are going to be up. Transfers are going to be up. We expect the NCAA to pass that one-time transfer exemption to to allow players to play e- immediately, throwing out that that policy from the 1960s. A prospect has to do everything that they can to preserve or elevate their de- their draft status. And you talked about his freshman season. That's uh, 936 yards on 193 attempts. But through four games in 2020, he's just at 308 yards, averaging 3.9 per attempt. But he does has, have 12 receptions. So the question is, is where does he go? Is he going to transfer to a blue blood Power five school. Oklahoma could use a running back. Uh, Travis Etienne is leaving Clemson this year. I want to see him in a high-powered backfield with some talent around him. And and I, I got to believe that that's the only reason reason he's transferring because the, temp, the offense at Temple was going to revolve around him. So let's see where he goes. We wish nothing but the best for Ramon Davis. Secure the bag. That's my number one rule for these college <laughs> prospects. Secure the bag. Gentlemen, it's week nine, or we just passed week nine in college football, and let's talk about what did we learn, okay? We learned that Clemson is QBU. The great quarterbacks like Charlie Whitehurst, Deshaun Watson, Trevor Lawrence, and we've got another one in DJ Weungalele, and I had to look up how to pronounce that, okay? <laughs> First start, 30 for 41, 342 yards, 8.3 yards per attempt, two touchdowns, and zero, zero INTs. They didn't try to hide him. They didn't try to throw screens. He was throwing the ball down the field. This is someone who just graduated from high school this summer, and we already knew that he had the howitzer, but what else did we learn? He's a good decision maker. He's poised. He's accurate on short passes, inter- intermediate passes, and deep. And finally, he has that that um, 
Kyler Murray, Eli Manning, even keel, not too high, not too low, calm about him, okay? So the game of the week is, is, is Clemson versus Notre Dame, 7.30 God standard time on NBC. Clemson is going to win this game because Notre Dame is a fraudulent football team, all right? <laughs> Clemson is going to stop the run and make Ian Book beat them, and he's not going to be able to do it. I've got Clemson over the Golden Domers, 24-27 in a – kind of defensive showdown there in South Bend. Bruni, what did you learn this past week? Well, mine's mine not mine is not as fun and as exciting as yours. I think we learned that the Big 12 is and has always been overrated. Uh it was unfortunate to see Oklahoma State go down to Texas this week. We talked about it actually on last week's podcast. I said I thought Oklahoma State would be able to pull off the win. But Texas always seems to come up and show up for these games when they can't in the games they should win. You know, I think they pretty much have knocked themselves out of a shot at the playoff race with that loss by Oklahoma State. Um, We got Pac-12 opening up this weekend, which you talked about. Got a couple teams in there that can make it, but I honestly think with the way Oklahoma State lost, you're likely looking at a second SEC team or a second Big Ten team making the playoffs, which, again, just continues the trend that uh, the Big 12, in my opinion, is, is overrated. Fun football to watch if you like offense. Or I guess if you want to call it football, but no defense, and I I don't think they're have they've got a lot of good players, but overall not a good conference. The Big Twelve is twenty nine and twenty seven collectively. Skylar Thompson and the Kansas State Wildcats are first in the conference rankings, but unranked nationally despite a win at number nineteen Oklahoma. Big conference matchup this week between Kansas State and Oklahoma State. Austin, tell me what is it that you learned from this weekend. Yeah, so mine isn't so much of something that we learned, but I think it's just something that keeps getting reinforced every week. And it is just the insane depth that we have in this year's wide receiver class. I think we all talked last year about how the 2020 class was not only better at the top, better in the middle, better at the bottom than a bunch of classes the years before that. But I think 2021, assuming all these guys that we think are going to come out do come out, is going to be every bit as deep. And I actually have it the top, like my first and second round grades, I have uh, combined, but I have 14 players between those two tiers. At this time last year, I had 10. So I, I mean, I just keep watching every weekend. You know, Elijah Moore goes off, Tiami Brown goes off. You know, and then we even have guys like Sage Sherratt that aren't playing this year. Yeah. So for me, it's just every week somebody else just just shows you. You know, hey, you know, this is going to be a crazy class. Matt Miller of Bleacher Report released a mock draft to just today, about four hours ago. Seven wide receivers going in the first round. Jamar Chase, Jalen Wallow, Devonta Smith, Sage Sherratt, Aust- uh, excuse me, Rashad Bateman, Ronald, R- Rondell Moore, and Chris Olave. Austin, do you have a, fra- a favorite out of those seven? <sighs> so Moore is still my wide receiver one. Uh, I'm trying to give him the benefit of the doubt. I want to see him play like two or three games this year. Um, if he could do that and just kind of, you know, look, you know, just so we can get some eyes on him again. Cause it's been over a year at this point since we've seen him play and he's got this mysterious injury. We, I mean, I, I haven't heard anything about what it's really about. So he's still my number one guy, but I mean, I, Waddle had a great year. Um, he's done obviously now a started off the year hot. Bateman's had a couple solid games. I mean, I like all these guys, honestly, I'd be happy with any one of those if I was a team that needed a receiver. So so, question for you guys really quick. You just said Sage Sherratt he had there in his first round grade, which I like Sage Sherratt, but he opted out this year. Just looking at my rankings really quick, because I don't have Sage Sherratt that high. No Terrace Marshall in the first round. No Seth Williams in the first round. No Tylen Wallace in the first round. Sage Sherratt over those guys. Would you guys do that as well? 
I personally wouldn't because I don't like the contested catcher. So you mentioned Seth Williams. I put Sage Surratt yeah. in kind of the same boat. Um, so no, I, I don't have Sage Surratt anywhere high on my list just because I I don't like the contested catchers. What do you got, Austin? So I was really high on Surratt coming into the year. I think in preseason he was like my wide receiver six or seven in the class. He's been jumped by a couple guys now, but for me, I think he's got really good hands. And I honestly, it's really weird because I don't normally like to project guys like this, but I think he could be a really good big slot guy, like kind of just use his body, throw himself around a little bit. And I think he could be effective in that role. So I kind of like, like, like Nikhil Harry. <laughs> exactly. Oh, like well, you know, I mean, I oh, you know, honestly, yeah. I watched him and I was like, cause I said the same thing about Harry. So I'm trying to be like objective about <laughs> what I see in this kid, but he, I mean, I really do like his game a lot. So we'll, we'll see, but all right, Bruning, the Pac-12 is opening this weekend. Are there some players or some games that you are looking forward to? Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm excited. I love Pac-12, Pac-12 after dark. I'm excited to have football on all night again on Saturdays. So Oregon-Stanford obviously is the big game on ABC. I'll be tuning into that. I'm, I'm excited to see, although they haven't named their starter yet, uh, Mario Cristobal in Oregon, Oregon I do think it's going to be Tyler Show Me the Money because I think he is the best quarterback they have on their team. I think him going up against David Mills, who I think we all forget was actually a higher rated prospect coming out than Tua was in his class. Like he, David Mills was a highly touted uh, high school prospect. Seeing if maybe he can kind of rebound a little bit and rebound some of that QB stock. Uh, Austin Jones and CJ Verdell talked about Austin Jones last week a little bit. Both those running backs I like for these teams as well. I'll be interested to see how well they look. You know, I think I mentioned last week EJ Smith, who's Emmett Smith's son, is getting a lot of talk there going to Stanford. And I think everybody's kind of overlooking Austin Jones. Good, good Oregon defense. Even though they've lost a couple players, still a really good defense. I think if Austin Jones can go out there and have a really good name, he's going to be a name a lot of people in the Devi and C2C community will be talking more about. And then obviously Micah Pittman. There's a lot of talk that he is the most talented of the Pittman brothers. I would, I'm really excited to see him out there with, with show and seeing what those two can do against the Stanford team in prime time. Listen, all you guys do is talk about your offense and your quarterbacks <laughs> and your running backs, but we need to talk about two players on that Oregon defense, Kevon Thibodeau and Justin Flo. Okay. Linebacker Kevon Thibodeau was the number six overall prospect in 2019. So the season before last, his freshman season, 35 tackles, 14 tackles for loss, and nine sacks. And my notes say here, Kevon Thibodeau is a grown man, okay? He's a grown man. <laughs> this is a defensive prospect that we need to pay attention to. The question is going to be, you know, what position does he really play? Because he's 6'5", 250 pounds, probably not a defensive end, probably an, uh, an outside linebacker in a 3-4 scheme, a la Von Miller or Alden Smith, and then Justin Flo, okay? The number 11 overall prospect in the 2020 class. And do yourself a favor this evening, not right now, Okay, go into YouTube and type Justin Flo's name into YouTube after the show. He's listed at 6'2", 246 pounds on the Ducks page. That's up 21 pounds from his listed weight as a high school senior. He ran a 4'7", 40 uh, at 225 pounds at the opening. Justin Flo is a destroyer of men, okay? He is a destroyer of wills, all right? So Thibodeau and Flo are two players that I am looking uh, most forward to seeing with the Pac-12 season opening. 
Austin, who are you looking forward to seeing? Yeah, so um, I spent a lot of money on an, in an auction on Justin Flo in an IDP league this year. So I'm I'm very excited for him as well. I've watched, yeah, he just destroys people. Um, just ridiculous. Um, so I have a couple games that I'm I'm intrigued by. Um, Arizona, Utah, not really because I think either of these teams are particularly good this year. I mean, Utah loses like half of its defense. Um, and a lot of those guys are already playing well as rookies like Jalen Johnson. Um, Bernard has looked decent. So, I mean, I, uh, those guys have all gone on to the league and just continued where they left off. Uh, but they also lost Zach Moss on offense. Um, they have a couple intriguing running back guys there that I think I'm not sure how great their NFL prospects are, but if I'm in a C2C league, um, Jordan Wilmore is a guy that I have in a couple different spots. I think if I remember correctly, he's the highest rated running back recruit that um, Utah's ever gotten. He was a four-star uh, last year. He's got, decent size at like five, nine, a little over 200. Um, and then they also, they, they lift, they list on the depth chart and, or, so they have Devin Brumfield or Jordan Wilmore, um, Brumfield, a little bit lower rated of a guy, but he's a little bit bigger. Um, so kind of closer to that Zach Moss, uh, profile. So I'm not really sure which one they're going to go with, but I'm really interested to see that. And I'm also just really interested their secrecy. and like about who's the new quarterback. Um, they brought in Jake Bentley from South Carolina this year. And I think people just kind of assumed, like you're talking about with EJ Smith earlier, that because he came in and he's, you know, everyone knows his name, that he's just going to step in and start right away. But the beat reporters for Utah last year were raving about Cameron Rising, uh, who was a, he had to sit out last year. He transferred from Texas. Uh, but he's kind of that modern quarterback that we talked a little bit on last week's show. He's really mobile, he's got a nice arm. Uh, we haven't seen him at all in a college game yet, so I'm interested to see what, if he's on the field tomorrow, what he can do. Um, but Whittingham has hinted a little bit that the the person who won the the competition, he can't talk about why they won it, because if he does, it'll tip off who it was. For me, that leads me to believe that it's rising because he can use his legs a little bit more. So those are kinds of the things that I'm interested in in that game. Um, and I know, Matt, you love Arizona's quarterback. I can defer to you on him if you want to chat a little bit about Mr. Gunnell. Uh, I just I, – well, see, and there we go. I, already, I messed up his name. We were talking about I always call him Gunnell. I, I love him, man. I think he's one of those other guys who's just not getting a lot of talk about because you've got a Jaden Daniels there in Arizona State who, like you were just talking about with Rising, uses his legs a lot. I think a lot of people compare Daniels to Lamar Jackson, which I don't think is a good comp, but I think it's just because they're both slight-framed running quarterbacks. Uh, but but Gunnell, I think he's one of the best quarterbacks in that 2022 class, and he's not getting a lot of talk right now. He showed really good last year when he had to step in for a couple games as a true freshman, and I'm excited to see what he can do this year. Uh, and they've got a big test this week against uh, against Utah. I mean, it's a Utah's always had a really good defense, so if he can show up this first week and have a really good game and kind of move that stock up, I mean, I don't – after what we've seen this year, I don't think outside of Zach Wilson, if he comes back to school – can we say that there's a for sure solid, we know this guy's going to be QB1 in that 2022 class because we've seen how struggled this year. Rattler struggle. You know, we'll see, obviously, uh, Slovis gets to play this weekend. Daniels gets to play this weekend. And Gunnell, or Gunnell, sorry, is never mentioned in with any of those guys. And I honestly think he can put himself in that category with a good year this year and obviously next year as well. Uh, Connor O'Toole, one player that I'm really looking forward to seeing at Utah. He's a tweener. Uh, 6'4", 205, might play tight end at some point, might play wide receiver. We don't expect him to do a lot this year, but he is someone that I am keeping an eye on. Kevin Sumlin looking to get those Arizona Wildcats going. Herm Edwards is at Arizona State, so they we know that they will play 
to win the game. All right, boys, are we ready to debate? Let's do yeah. it. Let's do it. Okay. All right. All right. Bruning, I'm going to throw it to you. Kylan Hill opts out. True or false? Kylan Hill hurt his draft stock. What say you? I think he did. And I actually just released an article on this yesterday for the Dynasty Nerds website. Um, he came back this year going to Mississippi State, and a lot of people thought it was a great move once Mike Leach got announced. They said, hey, Let's see him improve his receiving game chops. He, he's a good runner, but we wanted to see more in the receiving game. And he did that by far. By far, he he produced very well in the receiving game. I didn't, I was going to pull his stats up. Then I, you guys got me distracted with the uh, Justin Flo stuff. I was actually just looking up a YouTube video of him while you guys were talking about him. Uh, but uh, he's receiving was, I mean, he had like uh, over 100 yards in his first game. Like he was dominating in the receiving game in every single game of Mississippi State. The problem was, if you go back and look at the games, he looked horrible running the ball, and he is a running back. And he's never been that explosive to me. It does matter. It does matter, Felix, if you're not watching. He um, he, he just doesn't – he's a very good prospect, but I went from earlier in the year when he came back thinking he had a chance to be a complete third down back and a guy who could move himself up to close to that Journey Brown category to now being more around 8, 9, 10 for me in this class. I'm just – I really think with how bad he looked and now just opting out, I don't think he's helped his stock at all. I think he went from a day two, maybe a second, third round pick to possibly a fourth, fifth round pick. And and that's not, I, in my opinion, is not going to help him much if he can't, if he doesn't get that shot to get on the field early, he may just end up being a guy who's like a special teamer and end up just kind of getting to fill in here and there at the NFL level. No, he didn't hurt his draft stock, Bruning. Running back's draft stock is devalued anyway. The only one that the only ones that get first round consideration are the blue chip players, unless it's 2019 and Clyde Edwards Hilaire goes before Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift, and J.K. Dobbins. As a running back, again, unless you are a blue chip player, your draft stock is capped just by virtue of the position itself. The second round is essentially the new first round for running back. So if a running back gets drafted in the second round, that's the equivalent of first round draft capital to me because the position is devalued. Look who, who's starting for dynasty teams this week. Alvin Kamara, third round pick. James Robinson, undrafted. Chase Edmonds, fifth round pick. Antonio Gibson, third round pick. Those are top, top 10 running backs for this week. So no, he hasn't hurt his draft stock. He's a third Fourth round pick that's going to be a value in dynasty drafts next year. And if anything, he pick. secured his draft status by showing that he could catch the ball. You said that. It's 23 catches in, in three games for 237 yards. No, Kylan Hill either elevated or preserved his draft stock. Oh, over over under on Kylan Hill in the NFL draft. And I'm going to save this so we can see goes back to it. Mid fourth round over under. I'm going over. I think he doesn't. He he's going to be a fifth round pick. I think. I'm going. Well, I'm going under. I'm going under. Okay. All right. We'll play it back on episode whatever that'll be twenty something yeah. at that point thirty something who knows but uh, we'll play it back when I win if I lose I'm gonna pretend like this never happened. <laughs> <laughs> Austin, I'm gonna throw it to you. Whose stock at wide receiver was most helped by this past weekend's performance? Oh man. So I've got, I've got two guys, I think for, for slightly different reasons. And um, I think you're going to talk a little bit about Jahan Dotson from Penn state. So I'm going to kind of skip over him. The guy for me that it's not just this week, it's been the entire season is Elijah Moore from uh, Ole Miss. 
it's a guy that he, I mean, this week, so just this week, he put up 14 catches for 238 yards and three touchdowns. And honestly, with the pace that Ole Miss goes on offense, I joked about this after week one, he's going to catch like 150 passes this year just because they run a ton of passes. He gets a ton of the targets in terms of market share on his team. He's getting 39.3% of their yardage and 43.9% of their receptions. So basically 40% or higher in both of those uh, more predictive than touchdown metrics. He's not a huge guy. He's only 5'9", 185. So I think he is truly the, the well, I mean, because I think some people argue that Amon Ross St. Brown can play outside too, even though he's mostly been a slot guy at USC. So if you want to say that he at least has that positional versatility, then I think Moore is the top true relegated to the slot guy in this class. And I think week after week, I mean, he just keeps putting up these ridiculous stat lines. So... For me, I mean, I, I'm just amazed that I mean, through six games, he had 61 catches, 829 yards. That's just absurd. So for me, he's been a guy that I think has possibly gone from like a day early day three guy to like mid late day two. Bruning, who do you think? Who do you who do you got that helped themselves the most this past weekend with their performance at the wide receiver position? Well, unfortunately, it's Elijah Moore. I honestly didn't think either one of you were going to go there. I I I love what this kid has done, and I was literally going to do the same thing Austin did and kind of cheat and be like, not only what he did this week, but what he's done all season because he has been. It's been it's been amazing. So I'll just kind of add on to to what Austin said. Joe, this so far this year. In college football, he is number one in the nation with 61 receptions. He's 29th with 83.6 receiving percentage, but a lot of that came in that Auburn game where he played horribly. I think we can all admit that. But second right now in the nation with in yards and 829, seventh in touchdowns with six. His receiving grade comes out to a 90.7, which is third in the nation, and he's fourth in the nation with avoided tackles and with 12. So he's actually been making players miss when they're trying to tackle him. As Austin just mentioned, he profiles to be a slot wide receiver. Well, while he has been playing on the outside some, he's actually gotten most of his targets in the slot. His 73 right now is actually all come. Let's see here. Where to go? So out of his 73, 68 have come. I'm sorry, 48. So a little over half have come out of the slot. He's got a target percentage of 31.3 out of the slot right now. 192 of his snaps have been in the slot, uh, which is an 82.4 snap share percentage there. So he's been getting a lot of work here out of the slot. He's number two right now. Uh, based on grading at the slot position right under Marlon Williams of UCF. So he has been phenomenal in the slot role, and and I'm with Austin. I mean, I think he went from a guy who probably most in the Debbie community had ranked in the 15 to 20 range up into I could honestly see going in the second, early second or early third round with the way he's performed this year. Oh, he's, he's been phenomenal. He's he He's doing it all. You know, pissing on the goalposts aside, he's been phenomenal this year. Uh, so my question for you guys, for you both, since you're high on Elijah Moore, but you've admitted that he is a slot receiver, does he have out? Okay, if he can't play slot, what what can he do? Are you worried that he is a slot receiver and slot receiver only? Yes and no. While I'll say no is something we talked about in our very first episode. My biggest thing that I like about Elijah Moore, the biggest thing I have that's best for him and his where he's elite is his route running. And if he can create separation in the in, in the slot, depending on who his quarterback is, it, it won't matter. If he can create that separation, which we've seen him do at the college level, granted the NFL level is a little bit different, but I do think he's got 
I would say very close to elite hands and his route running is some of the best that I've seen out of this wide receiver group. I would rate him in the top five, six of route runners uh, for me right now in this wide receiver class. So route running we've talked about here, and I would think you agree with talking about the Stephon Diggs and Adams. You don't have to be that guy who's overly sized or have that explosive speed. If you can run routes, you'll create yourself separation. If you can do that, NFL quarterbacks will find you and hit you at the next level. Yes, but Stephon Diggs is not a slot receiver only, so I'm a little bit gun shy with slot receivers only because we've got the exception, Jarvis Landry, who's actually played a little bit outside in Cleveland, but he came into the league as a slot receiver. But then you've got guys like Ryan Switzer. Remember Ryan Switzer? Trent Taylor, okay? Um, Those guys make me a little bit gun shy of a slot receiver only profile. Um, And so – you know, and, and I mean, I started a podcast this year and my first episode was talking about Trent Taylor. I mean, that's the whole reason that I ta- that I started the podcast because I'm like, everyone's hurt on San Francisco's depth chart, except for Trent Taylor. He's going to catch 100 passes this year. Trent Taylor, he, he's not. He, he has a he has a great um, uh, athletic profile for a slot receiver. He's in his fourth year. He was actually like, 10th in receiving in the class that included Deontay Johnson and uh, I'm going to forget who else was in, included in that class, but, um, but he hasn't, but, but he, he only has, he doesn't have any outs. He's a slot receiver and slot receiver only. And for that reason, I'm, you know, I'm probably in, I don't have Elijah Moore in any dynasty leagues because I didn't know about him, but in my, in my, excuse me, in my C2C leagues, I don't have Elijah Moore. And in my dynasty leagues, I'm not going to own him because I'm not going to put my eggs in a slot only basket. Um, So here's why I slightly differ on what you're saying. And it's because I think that as opposed to all those names that you were listing early, you know, the Switzers, the Beasleys, the Trent Taylors of the world. If he gets drafted where we think he's going to, he's going to have the draft capital that none of those guys have. I saw someone on Twitter the other day describe him as Jamison Crowder with draft capital. And now, like, I can't <clears> – sorry, I can't, like, not see that now. And I can, I can see if he gets drafted like a day two guy, I think a team is going to be specifically drafting him to be in that position, and they're going to put him in a position to succeed. If he goes day three, then maybe all bets are off, and maybe I do drop him a little bit just for that reason. But – all right, so we had a couple of guys pr- kind of go off this week. Chris Altman, Bell, Devonta Smith, Dime Brown, Elijah Moore, who we've discussed, D- 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 Jahan Dotson, who only needs one hand to catch the ball, uh, Garrett Wilson. Yeah, he's using the other one to push off. That's what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> Ohio State fan talking there. Um, but so I already knew those names, so I'm going to go just off the board a little bit for a player that I didn't really – well, I did know, but I was watching him. And, uh, and Deshaun, Deshaun – Jahan Dotson had his breakout game, but he's a junior. That's somewhat expected, especially for a Penn State receiver core that lost Justin Shorter to the transfer portal and KJ Hamler to the draft. But Penn State's third leading receiver is a freshman that I've not heard anyone talk about. And that's Parker Washington, who's starting in the slot for Penn State. I just bemoaned slot receivers, and now I'm here highlighting one. <laughs> but I looked. Parker Washington is 15% owned on fan on fan tracks. And if I had a claim left in any of my C2Cs, I would pick him up, okay? I want to pay attention anytime a true freshman is starting because then we get to talk about early breakout ages and all that kind of stuff. But 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 I really want to pay attention because Penn State is a blue blood school, and it's not easy to just walk in there and start as a true freshman, even with a depleted wide receiver 
wide receiver core. So, um, yeah, I think that there are some players that elevated their draft stock. But for me, Parker Washington is someone that I am starting to take note of because he's a true freshman playing at a blue blood school and starting. Um, James Franklin earlier in the season called out uh, Parker Washington for his quote unquote elite ball skills. Now, you know, it's a coach to speak, but um, I like what I've been seeing from Parker Washington. Bruning, are you ready to go head to head with me? I am. I am because I'm going to win this easily, but yeah, I'm ready. Got to get my popcorn out here. Hold on a second. I would say that you've started with a head start on this question. Bruning, John Harbaugh, true or false, will eventually beat Ohio State as Michigan's head coach. No, he will not. Um, There was one chance that I think he could have, and it it goes a lot to – there's a lot of rumors that the number one quarterback uh, prospect in the 2022 class, uh, Quentin Ewers, uh, well, I know he decommitted from Texas, but there's a lot of talk that he is coming to Ohio State. They just signed two other big guys in Kyle McCord and C.J. Stroud last year. The only way that I could see that happening is if Ewers does come here and it causes a big strife in this quarterback room because you've got all these guys who think in Kyle McCord, they still got Jack Miller there, C.J. Stroud, all thinking they've got the shot here to be the guy behind Justin Fields, and now you've got a guy like Ewers coming in who, while I don't like to make comparisons, everybody's talking about he is the next Trevor Lawrence. So we'll see if that comes true. There's a lot of people who really love this kid. So the way I envision it, if that does happen, I could see Ohio State almost ending in a place that Georgia is right now, where you see a bunch of their quarterbacks transfer out and Justin Fields leaves. And so say Miller and McCord transfer out, Stroud says, but then Stroud gets hurt. And now you're sending out there a guy like, I don't, he won't be there, but a Gunner Hoke at quarterback and you're struggling because Ewers won't be there and won't be ready. Um, So... That's the only chance I see Michigan beating him. The reason I'll say that's not going to happen is I think Harbaugh's getting fired after this year. So I don't think we'll have to worry about that. And whoever they bring in next year will finally get that win in whatever it's been, three, 500-something days since they've been able to beat Ohio State. Not going to happen this year. Even as, I'll be honest, as bad as Ohio State has looked, in my opinion, I am not loving what I've seen out of them the past two games. I think Michigan took a massive step back last week, and I am not – I was afraid of Joe Milton, and now I look at him like, hey, it's a tooth fairy. What's he he bringing me this week? I am not worried about him at all after watching him just get – just – no. No. Growing up, I used to go to Michigan's football camp uh, as a high school every year, so I guess that's that's three years or maybe four years. And they would all – Lloyd Carr would always spin this propaganda that every single class – had won um, a Big Ten championship, and you know they can't really spin that propaganda anymore. Listen, man, I got I got a weak take on this one. It's <laughs> I, it's I don't know, man. I Jim Harbaugh can't even beat Mel Tucker. Okay, and that Michigan State team was supposed to be a team in transition with a new head coach. And if you can't beat Michigan State, then why are we even thinking about beating Ohio State? Is within the range of outcomes. So. Because it's gonna I, happen. This will be the year now. Watch, yeah. I know that's the thing. This is gonna be the year. I'm gonna say all this, and then you know what's it? Jim Harbaugh. I know he's a fan of this podcast, just like Kirk Herbstreit. Jim Harbaugh's watching. This is gonna be playing every single week. And when the game comes up, Michigan's just gonna trounce us. And I am gonna d- delete Twitter. I will thank you guys. I'll, I'll give you guys the password. All this you can do this from now on, and it'll be nice knowing you guys. I actually think that there's hope, Burning. You mess. You mentioned 
uh, Justin Fields leaving. And I think that that's when the door op- opens if Jim Harbaugh can actually keep his job. So next year, Justin Fields leaves. Justin Fields leaves, and you got to think that C.J. Stroud or Jack Miller takes the helm. But Mich- Michigan has a good one coming in next year. He's my personally my uh, quarterback too in the class, and that's J.J. McCarthy, who transferred from Illinois to IMG Academy to spend his senior year. And I think J.J. McCarthy is a really good quarterback who you don't have to hide with screens and running student body right and the Bo Schimbeckler stuff. I think J.J. McCarthy is actually talented enough to, within the two to three years that he is at the helm as Michigan's quarterback, that you know, hopefully we'll get one win over Ohio State during that time. All right? All right. Well, Can I- it's, not, it's not the quarterback I'm worried about. Is can your defense cover JSN, Julian Fleming, G. Scott Jr., Garrett Wilson? Who else does that? The the other two top wide receivers this year, they pull it. They're talking about getting a Buka out of Washington now as well. So they're going to be bringing in three of the top five wide receiver recruits this year as well. You I think, think, you, you I think, think Michigan is the quarterback with those wide receivers around me. Just – Throw it up and let them go get it. I'm telling you, if you think Julian Fleming and G. Scott are going to sit there in their freshman year and have three snaps a game and there's not going to be somebody transferring, you've got another thing coming, especially when they got the number one or number two wide receiver in the class coming next year. And you know, G. Scott Sr. is he wants that smoke. He wants his son on the field. And G. Scott is not getting the ball. I don't does he, G. Scott even have a catch yet this year? No, no, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. He doesn't. Just give him time. He'll be there. No, no, he'll no. be there. Somebody's gonna transfer. He's gonna transfer to like Western Michigan, Julian Fleming, like and, 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 domi- <laughs> and dominate. Julian Fleming, Western Michigan University, twenty twenty two. See, let's watch that. The next, Corey, the next Corey Davis, baby. Let's go. Right? Is it Corey Davis out of Western Michigan? Am I right? That's right. Corey Davis okay. out of Western I'll Michigan. Say. All right. Um, I can, I'm just gonna sit back and listen to you two on this one. I don't even want to be a part of it. I'm just gonna let you two go at it. Austin, you tweeted something earlier. You tweeted your running back rankings um, earlier this week, and it and it got a little bit of note no, uh, note on Twitter. You have Bijan Robinson as the number one running back in the class between twenty twenty two and twenty twenty three. Explain yourself. Yeah. So I guess I have to start off by saying that I I'm a pretty conservative ranker. I need a decent body of work from somebody before I'm going to bump them above somebody else, especially if I think that person is a top tier talent. It, in addition to that, these are Debbie rankings. They're not who is playing well this year rankings. These are not who's going to put up the most stats over the next three years in college rankings. These are by the time they get to the NFL and within one or two years of being there, who is going to be that guy. And for me, Bijan Robinson is still going to be that guy. He's so I kind of look, I mean, I think at this point, the kind of the big three that people are going to be talking about are going to be Robinson Gibbs and Bixby. I think you're going to have Gibbs who is probably going to be the best pass catcher out of the three reminds me a lot of Aaron Jones. He's a guy that he's averaging like 12 and a half yards per reception this year. That's pretty darn dynamic. I think that's something that's really going to translate well. Bigsby, on the other hand, is averaging like seven yards a catch. He's 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 got decent hands. He's not like a terrible pass catcher, but he's just not that guy. Robinson's probably somewhere in the middle of the two of them on that. He's averaging about nine point six yards per reception, which everybody loves. Keonta Ingram, 
he's doing better than Keontae Ingram is in that Texas offense. He's averaging about 4.6 yards per carry. Ingram's averaging 4.7. So it's not like he's getting, you know, blown out of the water by these other Texas backs. I think that offense this year just isn't that great for Texas. They're a decent passing offense, but they're not a great rushing offense. So for me, I think as we go over the next year or two, you're going to see Robinson's performance start to fall in line with those other guys. So that, that for me is why he's still number one. Austin, you talked about body of work. What are you talking about? Like Jameer Gibbs is like one of the best all-purpose backs in the country. B. John Robinson has 181 yards in five games. Tank Bigsby has, come on now, come on, computer load. He's, he's at 503 over six games. How can you talk about body of work, but but you have B. John Robinson who's done nothing to this point. You had him over Tank Bigsby and Jameer Gibbs, and you had him over Brees Hall. Like, what? Explain yourself. Body of so, work you got. You so, got. So Hall for me is like a, a Josh Jacobs, Miles Sanders kind of back. He's going to be a good prospect coming in next year. Like that. Like I have him graded as like a. If I have like a twelve-team rookie draft and he comes out in twenty twenty-two, he's going to be. He, in an ideal world, he'd be like pick one hundred five for me. Like if if I had like my ideal class there. So, and I think Bijan has the, has the, the talent to be like a Jonathan Taylor, you know, you look at him and you just think, you know, this is like a top two or three pick in this, in this draft. Um, and I'm actually, I'm actually working on an article right now for, uh, for dynasty nerds about it. So you can all read a little more about it in about three or four days, but. Well, we have a, we have a statement here on Twitter about Bijan. So I'd like to get your guys thoughts on this before Felix continues to rebuttal. You feel like that's true? <sighs> I mean, I just think their offense as a whole, I mean, they're, they're a good passing offense, but they're just, whatever they're doing rushing wise, just, they, they're not really clearing, you know, any space for these guys. And to be honest, I don't think they look to run the ball anyway. I think they're insanely pass first offense. So, I mean, they've gotten back the returning kicks. I like that a lot. He had that one that he took to the house. They got called back by a hold that was like 20 yards away from the, the point of attack. So I, I mean, I think it's, I think honestly, I think people are going to look at this in like two or three years, and I think it's going to be like you can't go wrong with any of those three backs. So for me, the guy that I had first, the guy that still has great size, still great athletic measurables, still great hands, I'll leave him there at number one. And if you know, if going into next year, if he still hasn't shown anything at all, then then it's time to start really sliding him down rankings. But Bijan Robinson, the next Jonathan Taylor. We were we're gonna we should title the the podcast episode that one. All right, you got um, it. I think we're ready for bold predictions. Are we ready for bold predictions, gentlemen? I want to give you guys my trivia question really quick. Okay, I know right. I'm, I know we didn't know, we didn't know it was coming. That's because I didn't want to put it in there and give you guys any chance to guess right here. I, I already know I'm gonna win this one. I'm I'm keeping track all all year now. So you guys got me one zero right now. All right. And you can't look on your computers either because you'll be able to look it up pretty quick with the rushing yards thing. But right now, so this it's a running back one as well this year. Right now, he is fourth in, in college right now with 803 rushing yards. He is fourth with a 92.2 rushing grade. I think I know uh, who he's, it is. Oh, shit. 8.5 yards per attempt right now is first in the NCAA. He is tied for 18th with six touchdowns. Tie, or he is second with 23 explosive plays, which is yard, runs over 12 yards, second with 546 yards after contact, 32 avoided tackles, which comes in as 10th, and 13 runs over 15 yards, which is tied for fifth as well. Are we talking about Sincere McCormick? We are not, but I will tell you, Sincere McCormick is over this guy, 
this is he's number two. Sincere McCormick is number one in a bunch of those. I didn't go McCormick because I thought one of you might guess him. He's a guy that I will probably I have mentioned him on Twitter. Nobody is talking about this guy, and I don't know why. He is eligible to come out this year. Oh, because you got everybody. Oh, nobody's talking about this guy or Sincere McCormick. Well, there's some people, Debbie people are talking about McCormick. There are people yeah. talking, there's not enough people talking about it, but there are. There's nobody talking about this guy, and he's putting up stats close to McCormick. And he's at a high-level school. He's done it against good competition this far. He's been one of the best running backs in college football. And no, I've talked about him. I've put him in my Debbie Stockwatch articles. I did a thread on him, and still nobody's talking about him. Now, granted, I'm, go ahead. Is, is JV and Hawkins too obvious? Javian Hawkins is up there too. He's top five okay. in a bunch of those, but it's not okay. Hawkins. It's okay. Khalil Herbert. Okay. From Virginia Tech. I know. Okay. Uh, thank you for letting me know who that was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had not heard that name before. You look him up. I'm telling you, this kid, he is going to be a guy that if he continues down this trend, He's going to go to the combine. He's going to have a good combine. I guarantee you he's going to jump up into that stock. He's going to surprise some people. He's been really good, not just with the stats, but on tape as well. He has been very good against some very good defenses. I've been pleasantly surprised by this kid. That is why you come to the Debbie debate, because you get the name Khalil Herbert in addition to the banter. Gentlemen, I think we're ready to go to the bold prediction. Should I start it off, or do we have any volunteers for starting it off? Let me go first because mine is not bold, or really that bold. So you two can kind of spice it up with your hot takes afterwards. I just couldn't think of anything. So again, I mentioned earlier my game that I'm watching is uh, Stanford, Oregon. Two really good defenses and two really good running backs. I've got CJ Verdell going for over 150 yards and two touchdowns Friday or Saturday night. I put Friday night, Saturday night kind of moving his stock up in this running back class, and Austin Jones doing almost the same, 120 with two touchdowns as well. Gentlemen, there's only one game in, co in college football this weekend, it's, and it's Friday night. It's BYU at Boise State. I know you didn't think that we would get through this episode without mentioning the name one Zach F. Wilson, okay? Zach Wilson is going to go into Boise. I was almost, I was almost going to say, where is, Bo where is Boise? Where is Boise? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, where is Bo wherever Boise State is. He's going to go into Boise State into that blue grass, and he is going to dominate that game. That game is actually going to be a high-scoring, fun affair. Zach Wilson is going to have to play the whole game because it's going to be like 55-45 or something like that. And Zach Wilson, after Friday, is going to be the Heisman front runner. okay? We got Trevor Lawrence out. We got, we got Trevor Lawrence out. Mac Jones is a product of the system, and, you know, it's not a career achievement award, so we're not going to give it to Justin Fields. Whoa, whoa. Sorry, sorry. Sorry, go ahead. Zach Wilson is the Heisman front runner come Sunday. Did you hear me drop the mic on that? I did. I did. Little so, upset, so is, not gonna lie. Is Zach Wilson's middle name freaking or like what? What is the F? Do we know? You can say you, the F. I, I mark this explicit we, because we I have a bad even, mouth. I'm pretty even, sure it's. We sad. can't even say. We can't even say what 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 Zach Wilson's oh, middle enough. name is because he's a he's a bad shut your mouth. <laughs> uh, all right. So I guess my, uh, my you should have gone before falls, him, Austin. Yeah, it falls somewhere. Like we should have ended now. it there. Uh, we should have ended the podcast there. I'll, we're gonna cut it now, guys. Th thanks for coming. I'm gonna I'm gonna have you record this, Austin. I'll submit it beforehand, so we don't have to worry perfect. about it. <laughs> so 
I, I've got ASU upsetting USC this week, and I'm actually really surprised. I mean, I guess I'm not because a bunch of games have been played at this point, but ASU's not ranked at all. And for me, they're like this the team this year that I think by the end of the year, we're going to say, like, how were they not ranked at all, like, when this kicked off? They've got – they return – I mean, the defense – the answer is going to be the defense, and that's why they're probably not ranked right now. But they bring back Jaden Daniels, who's only going to do better his second year there, in my opinion. I have him and Hal as like my 1A, 1B in that class um, with, you know, not, not accounting for Zach F. Wilson coming back, which I think Bruning said he thinks he's going to do next week or last week. So I, I think ASU is going to go in there. They bring in this huge recruiting class this year, uh, like four four-star receivers coming in, two four-star running backs. They're putting these weapons around Daniels to really sh- let him show what he can do. So I think he's going to go out there. He's going to outduel Slovis. And I think they're going to beat them by, I don't know, seven to 10 points. I think it's going to be, you know, one of those games where they're consistently seven to 10 points ahead of them the whole game. And USC keeps trying to catch up and Daniels keeps kind of throwing that haymaker when they try to come back. So that's that's my bold prediction for the week. Gentlemen, we got Pac-12 football starting this weekend. We got Maction was on tonight. All right, gentlemen. Hey, that's going to be our show for the evening. Find our written contact. Contact. Ugh. Find our written content at Dynasty Nerds. Email the show at DebbieDebate at gmail.com. Tweet at the show or follow the show at DebbieDebate on Twitter. Apologies to Kirk Curbstreet. We ran out of time. We'll get him rescheduled soon. And for Matt Bruning and Austin Nace, I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck. Intercepted by Eli Apple at the 25, and Apple will go to the ground at the 32, and that's it. Ohio State national champions for the eighth time as they defeat Oregon 42 to 20. Here's Tua stepping back, loads up, looks long, throws, end zone, touchdown, touchdown Alabama, Devontae Smith, touchdown Alabama. And the Crimson Tide has once again ascended to the top of the college football mountain. Their fifth national championship in nine years. Their 17th overall. And for Watson takes a snap, rolls right, looks at the end zone. Hunter and Bob caught it. Touchdown! 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 With a second left, Watson hits Renfro. And Clemson grabs a 34-31 lead and is one second away from the second national championship in school history. Hill, just in front of his end zone, has a man out there. It is Ranger, and he's off to the races. Nobody will catch him. Freshman. Made the adjustments in the second quarter. Dobbins again, more than 10 yards per carry. He'll add to that. Goodbye. Touchdown, Ohio State. From 52 yards.